Hey, I'm Mary Winter. I'm Kelsey Merriam. I'm Alexis Jackson. I'm Jen Lee. And I'm Emily Payton. And we are Rack Focused. Today's episode is films from her perspective. Get it? <laughs> no, get it. She's I don't a get it. Girl. We're gonna talk about. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna talk about uh, the film industry and how we can get the female perspective, uh, and how we do get the female perspective in there sometimes. And why we need the female perspective? Yes, because it is kind of important. It's like half it's the population. Kind of important. It's no big deal. Only half the population. It's I mean, not that slightly not more. That big of a deal, but yeah, right. That's whatever. Women don't watch movies, Jen. Silly girls, Clearly. and they certainly only don't work you, in them. <laughs> they only watch them if you play them in the kitchen. Mm. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. God, the TV in the kitchen. Soul. I do want a TV in my kitchen, though, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I don't cook okay. in there, but yeah. <laughs> so does it make sense for a production to seek out the female perspective, just women's perspectives? Well, last week we talked a bit about um, specifically how the statistics are different when you have one female director involved or a female-run production company involved. So just to recap, with uh, on films where there's at least one female director, women make up 68% of writers. If there are exclusively male directors, they make up 8% of writers. That's just crazy. Which is a pretty, pretty big difference, I would say. I don't know math because I'm a girl, but, you know, I think that there's a big difference between 8% and 68%. I'm joking. Anyways, um, so uh, similarly, on films with at least one female director, um, women make up 32% of editors, only 14% on films with exclusively male directors. Um, same thing, 15% of cinematographers. Uh, women make up 15% of cinematographers on films where there's at least one female director. On films where there are exclusively male directors, only 3%. 3% of cinematographers. And then with composers, it's 2% on uh, films with exclusively male directors. And if a film has at least one female director, then that goes up to 12%. So as you can see, it absolutely makes a really big difference. Mm-hmm. And those are the times when you see women being incorporated into these positions because otherwise they're not. Well, yeah, because somebody at the top is going, sure, that person can do that, instead of being like, oh, she's a girl. (laughs) Or being like, hey, I know this person who does this, because I think that's part of it, too. Jen brought it up in the last episode where, um, yeah, they know, you know, they they know other women. And so they just, that's their mentors, basically. Um, It's just more natural for that to happen. Yeah, I think it's easier for, you know, you can have you can be a, a woman and have male friends and everything, but I think it's easier for women to lift other women up, um, and and men to lift other men up. It's just easier to kind of like, not like be with your kind or whatever. But you know, I can relate more to you mm-hmm. than I can other men. Yeah, you know, in that way at least. In there that are, way. there are definitely ways. Like I I don't I didn't watch Lord of the Rings and think I can't. I can't relate to anybody. I am Bilbo Baggins, regardless of whether I'm a female or not. But there is there is a huge difference in the female perspective, and those those books would have been completely different if they were written by women. Oh, absolutely. Um, and they wouldn't have had to just randomly shove a made-up character into the last oh Hobbit God, movie. No, don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what a terror. What a letdown. Um but I think that says a lot of about the female perspective is that obviously came from the male perspective. Yeah. Of, oh, we need to get more women in here. Let's just shove this character box. in. And that's even not what other women don't like it women because they didn't. Watch. 
I don't think they were expecting that response. I think they were expecting. I think they genuinely thought they were doing the right thing. Like we put a woman in, isn't that what you wanted? It's like, no, well, we want more women, but not like that. Not just to be part of a love triangle. That's not what we want. I'm so done with tokens in general. Yeah, this is exactly. the token black kid. This is the token, you know, whatever. This is a token female. This is a token whatever. Just make them characters. Mm-hmm. They're real make people. Make them people. Yeah. Yeah, make them like multidimensional and not just so, like fitting into some yeah. stereotype or box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would have been fine knowing The Hobbit and the story of The Hobbit if there wasn't a female character in it yeah. because it's an old classic story, you know? That's fine. Like, I wasn't, I reading it in middle school, I was never like, there's no women in this. Yeah. I mean, it probably crossed my mind at some point, but it never bothered me like, oh, there's not a love triangle in this? I'm out. Like that's yeah. <laughs> also, also the woman had also to be the in the love triangle. Yeah, yeah like, she, she she didn't do anything. She been... couldn't just be like a cool character that's just there right. to be a badass. She had to be part of a love triangle and a very stupid one at that. So yes. it was it was Ooh, I could I could talk for hours on that that movie. <laughs> but I think having more females in the writer's room, having more females mm-hmm. on set, having more females in all aspects, I mean, prevents that from happening. Mm-hmm. Because you know if there were like 15 women in that room when they were yeah. writing that, they would not have been like, this is a great idea. We'll just have this woman <laughs> yeah, be in a no. love triangle, and that's the only reason she's here. Right. Somebody would have been, out of 15 women, somebody would have been like, oh, yeah. maybe this isn't Absolutely. the way we want to go. You know? no, definitely. Well, and people in power within the writer's room, too, because I bet you it was probably, it could have been a woman that said, on that was working in The Hobbit, that was like, there's no women in mm-hmm. this story. Right. We need to add women into this story. And the head writer, who who was a man was like, let's do this. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but to just make her like a checkbox, like we talked about last week, to make her just like, oh, we have a woman, check. The, how do we work her into the story? We'll make her the love triangle interest. Like, why? It was so not necessary. Yeah. Um, and I think it was almost, it was almost worse to me because they did it under the guise of like, this will be a cool character, and then mm-hmm. they just. She just turned into that. And she was wasn't like, a cool. Writer. She wasn't a cool character at all. Yeah. Like right. yeah, she did some cool stuff, but it was completely undermined by the fact that really her main purpose was just to try to add more drama to a story that didn't need it because that wasn't what the story was supposed to be about. I going back to like the perspective part of this, especially in the writers' room, because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of this happens is in right. the writers' room. You can have your female cinematographer yeah, and director. Yeah, you're not going to get to day thirty of filming and be like, uh, we should I mean, do this. sometimes, but yeah, but like, don't be that person when it's been planned and. You're 30 days into filming. Um, It causes more problems. Exactly. So in the writer's room, that's where it happens. And it it happens because typically there are more male writers than female writers. And so sometimes, and this goes both ways, men don't think of the things that women might think of. Women don't think of the things that men might think of. So you have to find this happy medium, which is why I'm so excited about uh, Frances McDormand really... Uh, going out there and putting herself out there about the inclusion writer because you do, it's not just men and women it's it's diversity across mm-hmm. all fronts yeah I need that type of perspective to put something real out there and with casting too I feel like a lot of times you'll get a casting notice it actually made me really it made me giggle because my degree is in musical theater I wasn't in film and a lot of people were very upset when they saw the ha- the Hamilton casting notice mm. that went out mm-hmm. that specifically said that it was people of color and diverse they were looking for a diverse cast and people were very mad about that they were like how dare you do this and I'm like, you guys haven't been seeing the, like, hundred years of people specifying that it was white people that they wanted in this thing. They will specify white woman who's a size two, who's five foot, like, they, 
I mean, these things happen and they've been happening in casting. But at the same time, when you're casting for something, why does it have to be that person? If this person is a chef, it should not matter what race they are, what whatever. If they're playing the part well, it should just be, that should be what the character is. Well, I mean, unless, so let's take that from the other side. Right. Like, what if you have a Cajun restaurant and you need a Cajun chef? Right. That's and so, sure. like, yeah. yeah that's, that's like, I need this specific accent or I need, right. like, this specific looking person. And or if you're doing something so, that's, like, historical and yes. you don't want to just, like, completely tread on what actually yeah, happened. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's... Right. But, I but that's, that it's a fictional a take on what right. actually happened, so it's, it's a little Casting different. Casting a redhead as Mulan... Would be a little weird. It's a little weird. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. How about we talk about like you know the situation that happened with uh, Scarlett Joe being cast for um, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost Ghost in the the Shell. shell. Dude, that was. And now she didn't speak Japanese, but there was one character that spoke Japanese, and she could understand him. Come on, we have so many excellent actresses who could have played her instead. I think she had a hand in that film, and I think that's why she wanted to do that. But I agree that should not have been her. And they were like, she could pass as Asian. No, if you have to say someone should pass as something, they should not be in that role. (laughs) Exactly. That's the thing about um, the casting call for Hamilton. You know, some people are like, oh, well, that's racist that they only want people of color. But the thing is, when you historically look at every single movie and every single television show, you know, people saying, oh, well, we want to make this more diverse, so we're going to specifically focus on actors of color or actresses of color is kind of a way to swing the pendulum back to mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. equal. It reminds mm-hmm. me of um, they I did agree. this production of The Wiz on live TV. It was like a live primetime thing. The Wiz is um, kind of like the black version of Wizard of Oz. And there were all these people on Twitter like, if they made a white all white version of The Wiz, how would you all feel about that? And it's like, well, that was they The did. Wizard <laughs> of Oz. Like there was not a single black person <laughs> in The Wizard of Oz. So it's like they made The Wiz to you know, see themselves in these roles. And that's on down the road, if you will. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you know, people, people who say things like, oh, well, casting calls that call for actors of color are racist are completely lacking context. And it's actually really obnoxious. Right. And I feel like a lot of people who get annoyed at casting calls have clearly not been looking at casting calls. <laughs> They're just like, oh, they brought up they brought up this person's race that makes it racist. And it's like all casting calls bring that up. That's something that all casting calls do. And there are there are options when you're doing casting. So if you cast through backstage or if you cast through 800 casting or whatever you cast through or, you know, through an agency, there is an option to not specify race. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for most of what people cast for, if you're going to cast for extras, why do you care what their race is, to be honest? As long as you're making sure that there's not, you know, like, hey, I'm going to have a movie about a historically, you know, black college and then cast only white people. Or <laughs> probably not a good idea for the right. extras. If it's set yeah. in Atlanta, you mm. need multiple types of races. Right. Like, you know, Illinois. Or a, a city in general. I mean, yeah. you know, you're not going to have anything about New York City and have it have only white people. Like oh, wait, yes, you are, because tons of people do that, but it drives and me girls. insane. I actually had a oh. friend who, yeah. So <laughs> I've never seen girls. it, but I've heard a lot about They're so mean that. to each other. Okay, but we can't talk about girls yet. So um, yeah. But <laughs> no, I had a friend who we were watching Spider-Man Homecoming, Okay, and they were like, oh, my God, they were just putting a bunch of minorities in that movie because that's what they do. And I was like, that's what it's like to go to it's a, a high York. school in New York City. Like, that felt very genuine to me. I was like, as somebody who went to a specialized school in New York, that's what it felt like. Yeah, I was people like, were complaining about Mary Jane being Zendaya or whatever her name yeah. is, Zendaya. Um, 
um, they were she like, was cute. Mary was Jane's white. And like, not necessarily. Like, it doesn't have Why? to be that. Yeah. Exactly. Same with Why? Hamilton. It, it doesn't, doesn't make have a to difference be that in her character, so it doesn't have to be. If, if, okay, if like, if you redid the color purple and you cast it in an all white cast, right. that's wrong. You know, like, that right. just doesn't, that doesn't work. Nobody's doing a raisin in the sun with an all white cast. Right. Because right. on purpose. That's <laughs> <laughs> not the experience. <laughs> I like what you said, Alexis, the diversity swings the pendulum back to the center. It's just like, People get, they have this, my, mo- my mother included. Um, my mother and I had a wonderful conversation, and it, it, I think it opened both of our minds up to different sides of things. But um, the idea of having to take a step back to let a minority shine or someone who's been oppressed shine for a moment to swing that pendulum back, I think that's a wonderful way to put it. Because it's... It's not necessarily that women are better, but women need to be boosted up a little bit right now in this industry because we haven't been, and it's been suppressed. And right now with, you know, like the Me Too movement and all that that happened, so there needs this to be is a the focus. time. Mm-hmm. This is the time for them to be focused on. Yeah, exactly. Right. And eventually we won't have to be focused and on And we won't it. have to. And we shouldn't and have to do normal. that forever. It would be great. It would be a normal yes. thing, and that's fine. You know, um, and that's a totally legitimate thing to worry about. Right. And the, the way to do that is to get their perspectives in there. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there needs to be an intentional shift because mm-hmm. thus far there has not been an intentional shift, right. and that's why the status quo has remained, you know, well. the statistics <laughs> that I was saying yeah. earlier. Yeah. And it's very easy, especially because people tell writers all the time, write what you know, and that's great. But if all writers are white guys, they're going to write what they know, which is about white people and being a white guy from the white guy perspective. And some, so, some and, people are good at that. Right. And some people are good at, at writing things from another perspective, but I think you also need to check that and be like, hey, maybe I didn't grow up that way. I need to check that. Just like somebody who's rich writing about, you know, a poor kid would probably get some stuff wrong. Yeah. You need to do that with any type of culture in general. They like, would I'm not it. going to write something about Japanese culture completely accurately because I've a, I've not done any research on it, and B, I didn't grow up that way. So there are going to be things that I think are interesting that may or may not be accurate. And as like as a writer, you should have some sort of integrity about what you're writing and understand that you are not the person to write this. Like you're not right. the best suited for that. Um, and if it's something that you're really passionate about, find a team that will let you do that. Find mm-hmm. people that are diverse, or find people that are that are able to write about that genuinely. Um, and then let them speak. Right. Exactly. Actually. <laughs> Don't be like, hey, I let a black person in the writer's room. Now we can write something about blacks. Yeah. While they just sit there and aren't really allowed to say anything or they say, well, you know, when I was growing up, this happened. They're like, oh, no, let me let me explain to you what actually happened. Because right. I'm sure that you're right. That's not true. Like, I'm sure that your like memory of that is not accurate. That person's so. not really racist. They were just being racist that one time. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's just bring up our woman crush because that's so much more comfortable and happy. <laughs> it's just a happier time to talk about a woman crush. Ava DuVernay is this week's woman crush um, for being a general badass, I think. I feel like that's most of our women crushes <laughs> are going to be like, this person is awesome and this is why. But the thing is that like Ava DuVernay like specifically goes out of her way to hire women cinematographers. Mm-hmm. She did um, Queen Sugar on HBO and had all women directors. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a person that really got to where she is and had an unprecedented amount of success and decided to reach back and pull all these other people that had been, who maybe didn't have the same amount of opportunities or are not traditionally represented in Hollywood and like pull them up with her. So like I said, uh, female directors, female cinematographers, 
And um, and that's the thing, you know, people that realize that other people are underrepresented or who fit in that underrepresented group are very often more likely to try to ameliorate that when they get in a po- like position of power to mm-hmm. do so. And so the thing is, you know, because Hollywood is still generally run by a very specific demographic, again, that's what I was saying about why there needs to be an, an, an intentional shift because... Mm-hmm. If the people in power are not trying to shift it, then who's going to do it? Like, I mean, if we're down here bitching about it, but we don't have the money and resources to change it ourselves, then we're just sitting here bitching about it and nothing's actually happening. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, there needs to be people who are in power that are actually working to change that. And Ava DuVernay is absolutely an example of a person that got to where she is and then say, oh, I made it. Great. Thanks, guys. You know, she got up there and tried to make it easier for other people to come behind her and do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I love that. It's so yeah. great. And I think culturally as a I want to say as a society, I know that we seem to have been taking steps in the wrong direction. Um, but I would I I do like to think that most young people are for this and they are not just for this but using their dollars to spend towards more inclusive movies, more inclusive everything. I I think that a lot of I don't want to say millennials because it's not just millennials. It's, you know, Gen X. It's also the younger generation want to see this. And when they don't, it feels uncomfortable. And I think you see that when people critique things like uh, La La Land. Mm. I have. There's a huge backlash about La La Land. I actually. So La La Land, I have not finished. I started it and the color looked really good and I was really excited. It was very beautifully done. But like I haven't finished the movie because I went to sleep instead. I thought it was obnoxious. Sorry. I just there's a there's one scene in particular that really bothered me and it's these two characters in a jazz club and it's the only two white people in the room are the only two people lit and it bothers me. I like the idea of having the two main people like star-crossed lovers. It 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 looked to me like they were trying to do something like they did in um West Side Story. Mm. And I love that idea but it felt wrong well, because, because that- Right. That scene in particular, they really were the only white people, and then everyone else was black, and it looked as if they were trying to dim the room using black people. And I was like, no. No, it felt wrong. Oh, God. I didn't 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 mind La La Land, but I didn't mind it for the camera work. I thought the camera work was really like the one shots every now and then. What? I love that. A lot of the movie itself looked beautiful and Mm -hmm. was great. And then you see choices like that, and I'm like, that undermines everything else. There's so many people that are doing great work, and it's undermined by things like that. You take a jazz artist. Okay, they've got two actors. I love them both. I think they're great. I I don't think that they necessarily should have been the two actors they chose. They have two actors in a role where both of them dance and both of them sing. Neither of those actors, in my opinion, are singers or dancers. They had John Legend in the movie and didn't have him be the main guy that sang, which is confusing to me. But that's just me. He was the lead in the band, at least. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. His song was, his song was good. His one song yeah. that he got was very but good. But yeah, I feel like you're not using what you've got at that yeah. point. He's such a powerhouse, and he's mm-hmm. so popular right Absolutely. now, and he's great, and he's not the lead. Why? 
Well, I mean, it's like I said last episode, at the end of the day, production companies want to make money. And right. so having, you know, like Ryan Gosling or somebody like that, they mm-hmm. believe is going to cause more of a draw than right. John Legend. And that's one of the reasons why Black Panther is such a big deal is because seeing that make over a billion dollars is more right. likely to, you know, encourage studios to make movies that target specific audiences that thus far they've thought aren't, you know, aren't, what's the word mm-hmm. I'm looking for? Aren't profitable. Right. Thank right. you. That's you exactly go. the word. I, I don't know why I couldn't find it. But yeah, aren't profitable. True, though. And yeah. it's hilarious, too, because everyone, even though they chose Ryan Gosling to be the lead in that, everyone was like, oh, and John Legend's in it. Like, they were, like, super excited Everybody about John Legend. About yeah. John Legend, because he's great. But yeah, I just, I I mean, that's not really necessarily about women. But that's, it does, I, I think that we're seeing a culture, especially on the internet, where people are, are made uncomfortable by choices like that. Mm-hmm. And that will force people to stop making those choices. And not necessarily to stop making them, but to think about what they're doing when they do make those choices. Because I don't know whoever made that choice. And I don't know that they did that on purpose. They yeah, might have made an they... artistic thing and didn't think about it. Exactly. And then they realized, oh, people are going to take it that way you know, it makes people uncomfortable and that might change their mind for another choice down the road. And I hope it does because that's, you know, like that, I said, the cinematography in that was great. It was great. The color did not tell a story. The color was awesome. And there were like moments of, I'm like, wow, this is going somewhere. They're using color. They're using color. No story. Oh, so it <laughs> that was makes just me like, so I don't understand why like, you're so doing close. this. It's like so close and yet so far, not to like really bring it around, but like the shape of water used color in a way that I thought enhanced the story. His movies are really great about that. Oh, I mean, Pan's Labyrinth was Pan's oh, I love beautiful Pan's Labyrinth. and like I just forever will be in love. Guillermo del Toro is a is a, a man who tells good stories from female perspectives. Yes, he can I do agree. it well. He can I do it well. I think that he has done an excellent job he at He treats like, them as people and they yes. just so happen to be women. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yes. And I think that's it doesn't. Super it important. does not feel like the, you're just checking boxes. It feels like genuinely he's like, "This is a story I want to tell. and It's about a woman." It doesn't feel like, "I guess I got to make a. His... I guess I got to make a movie about women." Right. It, it feels like he just woman. wants it, to tell it a story. It feels genuine. It feels yeah. genuine. It, All it's... of his films kind of center yeah. around women. There's they always do. like a he's... little girl or a woman. There's always like the lead is always a female. Yeah, he's so good. I don't think it's impossible for you to tell a decent story of a perspective that you have not lived through. I don't think that's impossible, but I think what helps, and I'm sure Guillermo del Toro does this, is he probably has women in his writer's room mm-hmm. to make sure that he's not overstepping boundaries or he probably has someone proofread it. A lot of, a lot of um, director-editor duos, I love this. Um, so, you know, you, have your, you might have a male director, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Um, Scorsese directs, he writes, and he sends it off to his editor. And he ha- he's been using the same editor for like 40 years. Thelma Sound. Oh, her last name's escaping me. Her first name's Thelma. Um, she's been the editor for him this whole time, basically. So he gives his idea to her and then trusts her to put another layer on it that he didn't see before. Mm-hmm. And those kind of duos are, are really nice, and I like that. A lot of... A lot of female directors will use male editors because there's a certain strength in both of those perspectives that maybe you just yeah. don't see. Both I, know, are I know Quentin Tarantino had a female editor for a while, he and then I think she it. passed away. So mm-hmm. she she was great too. Yeah. They all uh, George Lucas used a female editor for a little bit. Uh, Steven Spielberg uses female editors usually predominantly, um, but that that two sided, like I can you can hand me something that you know is 
it has some sort of masculine strength that I would not have been able to really put in there probably as well as you did. And then I can show you the empathetic, intuitive side, I guess, um, of the female perspective. Shout out to our lady editors, by the way, because yeah. they're awesome. But the like the the other great thing is that it's like um, it, the movie lives or dies in the edit, truly. Mm-hmm. And and so like when when you get the opposite perspective, it's like it's, it, it's super important. Also, Thelma Schoonmaker. 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 No, it was something. I was like something like that. We can link to the IMDb. Um, I think that brings us to a good point to talk about our uh, our hate for the day, if you will, things we hate uh, oh, for boy. this week, which oh, is Jen. funny and is a great segue because it's male writers that write shitty women. Mm. Oh, mm. so right, the Jen, opposite why you lead this of what we were just God, talking. Lead no. the charge. Oh my God! All right, so. Let's talk about Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about Wonder Woman first and how awesome okay, she okay, was. Okay, 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 okay. We'll start on a high note. Starting on the high note, Wonder Woman was beautiful, wonderful, and amazing. The like, film, not the, the character. Film, the, the film, film Wonder she Woman. She was, too. Yes, of course. Wonder Woman but. is also a badass lady. Yeah. But, um, In real life, too. So, mm-hmm. so Wonder Woman uh, came out. It was awesome. Gave me so many, like good feels and, like, high hopes for where, uh, like, the the DC universe was going with everything. And then they fucked up. They fucked up pretty hard. And Justice League became a absolute trash heap. Like, with, like, the, the, the director outfits. kept the... Okay, so it was mostly costume design that I am whining about. Partially, it is the writing. The the like the writing was so uh, like derivative. I felt like Wonder Woman's part in it was minimized. She was not like nearly as badass, important, or self assured, or like yeah. even sentient in her own existence. I, yeah. I feel like she didn't she didn't like have her own character. She was just constantly being pushed around by the bigger men in her life, mm-hmm. and I thought Which that that the was unfair. Of what the original I thought that was so unfair. Is. Um, and, and so we've got her costume design. I'll go back to this. Her costume design in Wonder Woman was so perfect. It was like tactical. It's like what a woman would want to wear. Like all all of the warriors. No, it wasn't, it wasn't wasn't modest. I need to cover up. It wasn't, I need to cover up. It was functional though. This is functional. It was sexy, but it was like not the kind of like video game armor sexy where you're like, this wouldn't protect you at all. It felt like, yes, it worked. It worked. It was workable for the warriors and everyone. It was, it was absolutely workable and beautiful and, and everything. And, and then in Justice League, how when they they went over and and showed the the warriors again, they all of a sudden had magically lost seventy percent of their goddamn costumes. Yep, seventy percent. It was like, oh, we're gonna wear bikinis now because we're flouncy, and our boobs are gonna jiggle more because reasons. Because the, reason. the most thing, the thing that you want most when you're running and like you know dealing with javelins is, they I watch. want my tits to go buh. Well, yeah, but if you're going to be in a bikini, that's what I look for in a bra. No support. Yeah, no support. (laughs) But I feel like having a female write 
for Wonder Woman yeah. is going to, like, of course these women wouldn't be wearing something that's not supportive. Exactly. They don't want to be jiggling. Guys are not thinking of that. Yeah. They don't realize that they that's want, not they comfortable. They would want that. They would want to see they that. They're like, I don't want your bras that. to have support. I don't want to see I want right. to see what happens if they don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that, that that's true for everyone. Okay. I don't think anybody everyone, wants but... to watch me with no support. <laughs> <laughs> with Justice League. Now, again, let me preface this. I did not waste my time watching that trash, but <laughs> I did watch a ton of those movie clips and everything, and especially about her, and there were so many shots that were just kind of upskirt, and I'm like, you you planned for this. You planned yeah, for her yeah. to slide kind of oh, right the there and oh, then yeah. move on. Like they, This awesome slow-mo scene of her just kicking ass, right? She's just left and right, just getting it. There's like three crotch shots, and I'm like, I just, I mean, Ew. who, who said on the shot list? Okay, we gotta get Gal Gadot's uh, pussy now three times. Let's go. This would be great. <laughs> like, no one like, from different angles, no less. From different yeah. angles and in slow mo. Get out of here. Hey, I, hey, Gal, can you do, can you do some squats so your butt? So I need I need to see more butt. I just, I more butt on I just need like a little this more gratuitous ass. Can we like point, make her skirt shorter? Which is just what is going to happen when they try to make a porn remake. Yeah, I they've know. done all the shots already. It's just a bikini. <laughs> yeah, literally just a bikini. You talked about the self-assured thing that yes. Wonder Woman had in oh, Wonder Woman. My she God, was, she was like, well, "Why can't I do that?" Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. That was great. Yeah, Wonder Woman was like, "I have this idea," and they're like, "We're going to do this instead." That was Batman. Um, <laughs> And then, and then she was like, "All right, that sounds cool too." Like she just went along exactly. with it. Exactly. I exactly. was like, "No, man, you're." I don't think I think DC's still like this is Batman's game, and it's not. It's it's her game. And if DC wants to have the same level of respect that Marvel has gotten for itself, they need to understand well, where their lead is. We have look at freaking Supergirl, oh, and then Wonder Woman. Okay, but to okay, so to like bring it back, I'm old school nerd. DC fan of comics, like sure. love they're, DC comics. Oh my god! Right. And so, ones so and so like good. the the animated shorts, they're really good. So they're good. very faithful to the comics. They're really great. I agree. But so like going to like some little bit of a history with like Justice League, Justice League, it it is kind of like Batman's show. Like Superman, right. like thinks he's like all the head of it, but no, Batman's got all the shit fucking figured out because he's the planner <laughs> and he's got shit done. So so he's the producer. So he's he's the fucking producer <laughs> and he is getting it. And he's getting his, he's putting his hair up in a I bun and he's getting shit done. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but he's, he's like, he is. And so it would make sense that she would go with his plan. But I feel like normally, even, even in the comics, like they have more dissonance. They, they like, she has her own ideas and she's like, hey, Bruce, like, I don't fucking want to do that. That's stupid. Or like, we should mm -hmm. like, and, and there wasn't any of that, like the, the, the plan wasn't collaborative. It was like. Now let's do this plot point, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It felt very derivative. I didn't like the other girl in it either. I like her as an actress, but I didn't like how they wrote the other female. Uh, I don't remember who that is. What her character is? That's probably says a lot why I don't like it. Is I don't even remember <laughs> her name. Like she just felt very weak. I feel like I don't. I don't hate having weak female characters because they are necessary. There are weak, you know, willed type of people. That's just what happens. But for some reason, I just didn't. I don't know. It didn't mesh. It wasn't right. And like, it is. It is Batman's show predominantly, and I think DC Comics are better than Marvel for sure. And their mm -hmm. animated 
movies are just insane. The Killing Joke, watch it. It's incredible. Um, mm -hmm. But in this time, like with the, we're talking about like the power that um, film has over people to show those mm -hmm. kind of perspectives and to show what's normal. Because we watch film, and like we talked about this, I think last episode, like your your brain is perceiving it and is like you know it's taking mm -hmm. it all in and it's processing it and it's. Um, that kind of becomes your norm. Mm -hmm. You, like, start thinking that, like, these yeah. types of situations will happen in everyday life and this is how I handle it, when it might not actually be, like, how you should handle that situation right. just because it, you know, just because it was on a film doesn't mean it's, like, how you should go about this. And with the power that films have over people, people's perspectives and in this kind of, you know, this, this feminist movement that's going on, I felt like it would have been smart for... DC to kind of let Wonder Woman take a little bit more of a lead with Justice League. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's, again, well, I have like, not seen like the I, film. Like I said, like, I, I mean, it would have been fine if there was just even, like, any sort of cognitive dissonance between, like, the two of the people. Like, it would have been... And a few less crotch shots. A, a few less crotch shots, and, like, they could have fixed it with fewer crotch shots, better costumes, and, like, just... Having Wonder Woman have a voice, mm -hmm. like she she lost her entire voice that she gained in Wonder Woman, and it was like very. They were like just too excited about Jason. They were Momoa. just too excited. Well, no, I mean, I feel like I'm awesome. I, I feel that about Jason. <laughs> so that part of the movie was fine for me, but like you know, I, I guess he should have been wearing less clothes. I guess at That's least they were doing. E I mean, I guess at least they were doing equal opportunity objectivism. Like. Yeah, you know, I, they, I mean, magic mic'd, they, they, they magic mic that. They did. And I think he's totally fine with that. And so, like, that's fine. Um, he's actually a very yeah. progressive person, too. So I'm sure he was like, well, if she's going to wear less clothes, why am I Me wearing too. all this? Yeah, like. I'm from the sea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm from the sea. We don't wear clothes. We don't wear clothes. I like that all of a sudden he's got kind of like an old Brooklyn I'm accent. From the sea. Like, I'm yeah, from the sea. Yeah, not him. Uh, uh, nice guy. But yeah, no. Um, I know. Michael Bay, we, we oh, no. I feel like we're going to rag on Michael Bay like every one of these episodes, but his he portrayal of women is very similar. It's very much like when whenever there's a female role that comes forward, it's just like, okay, from top down. And I like Michael Bay movies because I'm, like I have said before, I like bad movies. Hey, like historically Armageddon bad movies, great. I like it. But there is a, like when you're watching these movies, you do know like, okay, now we're going to see Megan Fox from head to toe and toe to head because that's, you know, arching her back sexy, over yeah, the car. Yeah. Really She's uncomfortably like, oh, like a, in the way that nobody would ever do that. Like. <laughs> flex capacitor in your car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> She's, I don't, like, I just wow, don't understand that. car is that. so cool. No wonder it's a transformer. <laughs> but that's something that's so. Uh, but I liked that she was that she was smart and mechanical. Exactly. Like as a kid, as a girl, I was like, yes, there's a girl who's a mechanic, but she would never have was, dressed that. See, way. that's the problem is that it was like, I hate to even to even give Michael Bay any credit in that area, but it's like. I mean, he tried at least to make her that she could do something, but then he did it in such a sexual way that it's like you just ruined it. I mean, right. it, it was. It felt should he more get like half a, a gold star or a third? Not, no, not because in, in Transformers <laughs> Two, the first shot of Megan Fox is her bent over with her ass out on a motorcycle, yeah. drawing boobs onto the motorcycle. I was like, she's uh, like tattooing the motorcycle. Yeah, uh, I can't do this. I can't do this. Also, like, I don't know. I actually really like Megan Fox which you'd think I would hate her. But I follow her on Instagram. She's very odd, and she's, like, a devoted mother now. So, like, she's, like, talking about how she wants her kids to be raised and the respect she wants for her kids and stuff like that. So she's, she's a decent human being. I think that she 
has always been a hot girl and has always been told she's a hot girl and she's had to like deal with that through her career and she's always played a hot girl Jennifer's Body Jennifer's right. Body was a great film by the way Diablo Cody go Diablo Cody um, I think that is something to bring up like you have a difference between women who are brought up where we're like okay I'm mediocre or okay you know I'm decent but way. I'm not amazing and the world reacts to women who are hot mm-hmm. like what our society has is hot in so such a different way if you watch um like just a, a hot stereotypically hot woman walk through a room she gets a different reaction than everybody does. And it doesn't matter if she's, you know, a psychotherapist or a, you know, a rocket engineer. She's still going to be seen as that for a while. And it's different than a hot guy. Like if a right. hot man were to walk in a room, you might like double take or whatever, but you're not like... Your jaw's I not on the floor. Think... You know that whiplash neck thing? Yeah, yeah that, that happens. That happens. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love the female body. I'm a big... I think it's a. I think it's beautiful. I think bodies can be beautiful, but like it. I don't know if it's something to do with. Maybe as people, we just enjoy the female figure more, because you it's don't possible. really have that reaction with a even Jason hey, Momoa. Like Jason Momoa, though. I mean, I did. I was beside myself during Magic Mike. I will have to say that, but um, I, didn't watch it. I was so giggly. I was so fun uncomfortable. Novels, I like, I, but it was awesome. It was like a good uncomfortable. Like I was like, oh, I've never been here before. Like this is cool. Like, Major Chinese tingle. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but Emily, I completely agree with you. You know that like the female form is beautiful, and I'm certainly not saying that women should be, you know, covered up from head to toe all the time and shouldn't be looked at necessarily. But there's a balance that has just historically never really been met. Absolutely. And I think think that's why we react the way that we do to the female. Like, even if a hot girl walked in here, we would all be like, damn. Okay. Like, if she's, it's just intimidated and go, shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, fuck, put down my food. Like, all right. No, I mean, but like, I, I don't know. This is kind of like the chicken or the egg thing. Like, did... Are we into that form and, like, the hot girl as women? Are we into the hot girl because well, we it, was, be it was, right, it was pushed right. on us. We're, we're mm-hmm. like I said, we're, uh, we're comparing ourselves to her and we want to be like her. We, ad- like, think she looks beautiful as well. Or is it, is that, is that because we've been told to be that way and look at that and told that she is the epitome of whatever we're trying to go for? I think Or it's a mix. is it because it... The female body is just. I mean, better. women dress for other women. Let's be real. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think but. that you could say the same thing about like hot men. It's like mm-hmm. it's the same across gender. I don't think it's like women or men like are more beautiful like one form or the other. I think it's just like people who are basically like the pillar of the perfect specimen of mm-hmm. a human mm-hmm. are beautiful to us because they are what we could never really achieve. Right. And that's why, Dexter. like, you know, retouching. No, 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 no. I'm not saying like that. No, it's like no, just like right. all the retouching that is prevalent in our society. Like it holds us to an unrealistic standard. And like, I, I mean, it's 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 just that mm-hmm. way for both men and women. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is just like a woman problem. No, I think no, this no, is no. a people problem. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I agree with that. Um, on like as a kind of a counter argument and I'm not saying I necessarily agree with this we were talking about Michael Bay saying he caters his films to 13 year old boys if a 13 year old boy is in his head and he's constantly having all these like 
sexual thoughts and everything because it's different. Like, boys' sex drive, at least at that age, is like they they just can't control it. They're oh, just, mine was there, too. Oh, I'm sure, but, like, we were able to control it a little bit more than... No, we're expected to control it, I think. I think that I girls think are taught differently. Exactly I think it's not cool for a girl to act like that, and it's totally fine for a teenage boy because boys will be boys. Exactly. Yeah, this is like a socialization thing more than yeah. it is actually like you don't a think biology it's chemical? thing. No. no. No, I do not. I think that it's impossible for us to know because with the way that our society is structured, right. you know, mm-hmm. there are so many things that are indoctrinated in us from a very early so, age that yes. who's to say? But people still walk around and say, oh, well, you know, men are... Uh, I was actually reading a thing about this the other day. The point that they were making is essentially that, well, oh, you know, this is a biological thing for men that cannot be ignored. And it's like, well... It's the whole, like, nature versus nurture thing. And because we're so indoctrinated, there's literally no way of knowing, like, are men actually more sexual? Or is it just women's sexuality is suppressed from the time Mm. that they start Mm -hmm. growing boobs? Mm -hmm. So they, you know. Before. But, yeah. Yeah. I would say before. I I remember being very confused in middle school because I would always hear stuff like, oh, well, men are so much more visual. So when they see stuff, they're just like, oh, my gosh, that's attractive. I have to have that. And I was like. What's wrong with me then? Because I feel the same way. Right. If I see something that I think is attractive, I'm just like, zoom, and I just look at it. (laughs) And I'm like, what's wrong with me then? Because they they made nothing wrong with you, Kelsey. (laughs) Yeah, no, because people made me think like, oh, you're just, wow, you are unusually horny for a girl. Like that, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I guess I'm just, The issue is you're not, though. (laughs) All girls are like that, too. That's a good point. But that's the thing, too. Not all guys are horny like that, and not all girls are. Like, there's a mix of both, and there's, you know, there's a bit of a drive difference that's pretty drastic from person to person. Like that drives yeah, exactly. me nuts. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but that's because girls are supposed to be demure and not say anything. Well, my parents got over that a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's not gonna happen. It's, it's not gonna happen. All right, on to our recommendation: Jessica Jones season two. Okay. Has any? Have you guys heard? I've seen the first episode. I can't wait to watch the rest of it. I just don't know when I'm going to have time to. I love Jessica Jones in general. I love the first season. I've only seen the first two episodes of Jessica Jones season two. It's already awesome. I'm really excited for the rest of it. Um, Talk about, like, just a strong character that can kind of, quote, unquote, run with the boys, which is nice. And Jessica Jones has been such a great thing. And I haven't had a chance to sit down and actually watch season two yet because I have been swamped. But... I am very excited to see the see where they take it, and especially the fact that they have all female directors for every mm-hmm. single episode. Mm-hmm. Like that is so cool. That is so cool. They were originally shooting for fifty percent. They wanted fifty percent female directors, and then like all of a sudden they got all this out like outpouring support for it, and they just ended up with a hundred percent female directors, and that is so cool. I like that they add. They looked for fifty percent, and then we're like, "Oh, there's a lot more female directors that exactly. are really good than we expected." My heart, because you know that happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there are female directors. Wow, that adds to the the pendulum argument or statement is that sometimes in order for us to see these badass women roles and how we want women to be portrayed, you mm-hmm. have to get it from, you need to get it from a female perspective. Yeah. You need a female to direct a female on how to, oh yeah, how to or Grace and Frankie ass. is oh, hysterical. My God. It's and so they funny. they never would have had older women doing a thing. Like that's not something that would have happened. No. If you didn't have... These two women who are so good and so funny together, like, we need to see more of that. Older women especially 
get the shaft, especially anywhere from like 30 till, you know, 60 or 70. Yeah, they kind of gain something back. Once you're like, oh, you're old now? Cool, we can reuse you now. But like... Meryl Streep has been able to kind of like bounce through that her whole career, which I've always mm-hmm. loved. She's always been like a strong right. woman role. Right. It's always been her. Right. But it's hard for it's a lot difficult. of it's hard for a lot of women. You to have do to look that. for those roles. They're not there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're just they're not writing it. And like that's the thing about the whole like oh well maybe we can have fifty percent women directors and then finding out that they can have a hundred percent. You know it kind of goes to the whole myth of meritocracy or the logical fallacy of meritocracy because so many mm-hmm. people are like oh well maybe there aren't a whole lot of women directors because they don't want to be or, or they're, they're not, not good, good, at, good it. at it. And the thing is is when you actually seek them out you see no there's a shit ton of them but people aren't seeking them out or they're not getting as much work. I mean, Rachel Morrison actually uh, said at some point when she was talking about like being a, a female DP and how that's impacted her career about how she had to do so many films or get so many credits. She had had like six films at Sundance before she got certain phone calls and she saw her male peers getting those phone calls way earlier. There's this whole myth that, oh, well, maybe there just aren't as many women that are in this position and... The way to destroy that is to actually, like, make a point to look at this uh, this unbalance, like mm-hmm. this imbalance. Yeah. So there's also, like, a tangential point that I need to make here. <clears throat> so uh, especially – so if we're going back to uh, Justice League slash uh, Gal slash uh, the whole Wonder Woman thing – Wonder Woman was so important, and Black Panther is similarly so important because, like these these are movies where we've we've got a female director or, like you know whatever, and it's a woman like movie for Wonder Woman, and, like this is our only chance. Like if it had tanked, if it had tanked, it had not done well in the theaters, and it wasn't good, we wouldn't get another chance. Right. Mm-hmm. That and drives me nuts. That is Why so does everybody have to come out crazy. to this movie just to get another chance to because, make a movie again? It's ridiculous. Like, because Michael Bay can make ten shitty movies. Oh god. Exactly. And it's totally fine. They'll still keep giving him money. Or or like the, the new Batman movies, the new like Superman movies, they're all garbage and they get to continue making them. It's like they're like, oh, this is bad, and the other one is bad, and then Batman versus Superman was also terrible. But if Wonder Woman's then, bad, forget and then it. It's all like women Wonder in Woman, the world. Yes, are the all worst. women are never going to get another comic movie because you know obviously they can't handle the pressure of having their own movie. It's not enough to carry the story or whatever. So I just needed to so box for like oh. five seconds. Boobs there. are enough to carry a story. Boobs are enough to carry the story. Come on now, look at Laura Croft. <laughs> And now we're back full circle. We are full circle. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Rack Focused. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rack Focused is brought to you by ECG Productions. Our intro is The Pink Everland Sky by Ladyland. Special thanks to our producer, Joe DeCasola, and our editor, Kelsey Merriam. Follow us on Instagram at Rack Focused Podcast. You can find our show notes at ecgprod.com slash blog slash rackfocused2. 